When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. From self-help books to meditation, we work hard to find peace of mind. Xfinity Home helps you rest easy with a total home security solution. Installed by experts and powered by secure and reliable Xfinity Wi-Fi, you'll get 24-7 professional monitoring with fast response times and real-time alerts, like when doors and windows are opened. Rest easier with Xfinity Home. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash home security. Restrictions apply. Residential customers only. Requires compatible high-speed internet. Professional installation required. Some cars are comfy on the inside, but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower, but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Interesting topic for you today. We know the Ravens' offensive tackle problems have been significant. Now they come with the notion that Orlando Brown may be traded. So I wanted to talk to our friend Mike Herndon, a longtime friend of the show, been on a bunch of times for uh, uh, various episodes of Know Your Foe, and talk to him a little bit about Isaiah Wilson, who has been a little bit of a curious case since he was drafted number 29. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, it's uh, yeah. Wilson has been a popular topic of conversation here in uh, the Nashville media market for uh, most of uh, of 2020 and 2021 now. So drafted 29th overall this last year. So this is, he's he is new to the National Football League out of Georgia. Uh, he was a right tackle at Georgia, correct? Correct. Yep. Okay. Yeah, he, he was exclusively right tackle there, um, and and was drafted to be a right tackle for the Titans as well. 
66350, an enormous man, monolithic. Think Bryant McKinney. Think some of the really big men. I mean, he's up there, uh, not quite as tall as Zeus, or maybe a little bit heavier, I think. Yeah. Reportedly carries that weight very well. He does. I mean, he is, if you look at him, I mean, unbelievable physique. Just uh, the guy is not, he's not fat. There's not a big belly. It is just enormously wide from shoulders down to his toes. I mean, big tree trunk legs. I mean, it's straight out of central casting for like a mauling right tackle. He looks the part every bit of it. There's no, it's a, he's got enough sand in the pants at 350 that he's been very effective moving people in college. Now, one of the things that very troubling from the scouting report was that he often uh, got outreached too often for a man his size. He's got 35 and a half inch arms. You know how much I love arm length on this show. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so he's um, he was interesting evaluation kind of coming out because he, he does have you know the super length um, and and his feet move better than you would think for a guy a guy that size. I know his his three cone uh, and his short shuttle were really really bad. Uh, I think they were in like the sixth or seventh percentile among uh, tackles. But he moves better on tape than than that would kind of indicate. Um, and frankly. You know, the biggest concern when I see those kind of numbers from a, a you know tackle is he's going to get beat around the edge. Even with that length, he's just not mm-hmm. going to be able to keep up with these speed guys. But he, in all of my evaluation of him coming out of Georgia, he never got beat around the edge. It was never an mm-hmm. issue of him not being able to, to shut the corner down. He got beat back on inside counter moves where he could not change that. direction uh, quick enough and, and kind of keep up with – I know uh, – Caleb on chase and got him uh, a couple times with an inside spin and in their gaming against LSU. So it's um, it, that was kind of his biggest, biggest knock, I think coming out. And he's a little bit of a lunger in the run game. Oh, okay. So two, two questions come to mind with what you just said, cause that's a lot to unpack, but let's start with the first thing is uh, in terms of the speed rush, Orlando Brown came with a lot of those questions. And of course, Ravens fans know that Orlando Brown, because of a terrible combine fell to the Ravens in the third round. And is now a guy who might get traded for upwards of a, or up to a first round pick, I think. Yeah. Uh, but what, what he does very well and he did very well left tackle was to use his length. Well, to kind of push people past what I call the back pylon of the pocket with a 12 to six block. Is that something you saw from Wilson? Now you guys have never basically seen him play other than a little bit in camp, maybe. From uh, yeah. And barely in camp, frankly, yeah. <laughs> um, cause he had his issues there. So, um, you know, we've seen him, you know, kind of in Georgia, he did do a good job. He pushed guys by the pocket. He was able to to kind of shove them, shove them wide enough to make them go around the back of the quarterback's drop. Mm-hmm. So um, he was good with that. And I think his length helped him there. Um, but he, he did slide his feet pretty well and was relatively nimble uh, for, for a guy his size. But yeah, I, I kind of, in frankly, comping him coming out of Georgia when the, especially, you know, before the Titans picked him. And then of course, after the Titans picked him, getting into him deeper, I thought, you know, Hey, I can see what the Titans see here. You know, a lot of people thought it was a reach at, at 29, but to me, I thought, you know, this guy is, he moves a little bit better, I think, than Orlando Brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he he it was, you know, Trent Brown is another guy that has a lot of the same measurables. Both guys have been fantastic right tackles. And and you could see 
the projection for the Titans saying, okay, this guy's going to be Trent Brown, Orlando Brown. Um, you know, if we can get him, you know, maybe he could even be a little bit better than those guys. Cause he probably has better feet, uh, than those guys, but obviously a little bit raw needed some coaching, that kind of thing. So I, I think they, I, they saw what they could develop out of him, um, which they had done a great job with Nate Davis the year before developing an offensive lineman. That was a little bit raw coming mm-hmm. out. Um, and so I think they said, all right, this is a guy, he's a little bit raw, but we can turn him into an all pro right tackle. And I think that was the, the leap. Yeah, there's some teams who who certainly are able to do that, and the Titans I think of as being one of them. Uh, just one of the things in relating it to the Ravens' offense is that they don't ask a lot of their their tackles, and in the right tackle in particular, when they're doing read plays, they're often leaving the edge defender unblocked. So the responsibility of that tackle is to down block. You couldn't ask for anything simpler because he's really mm-hmm. just teeing up a guy next to him and then move up what I call half a level to hit a scraping linebacker. So he's not moving out all the way into space to hit a scraping linebacker He's he's or to hit a, a player. He's, he's got a very easy set of responsibilities. And it, it might be that a, a vicious mauler like uh, Wilson could be at the top end, I think, is would, would be an exciting player in that position. And Brown fit very well with that. So yeah. Um, Let's let's move on a little bit because the story is not all roses for uh, for uh, Isaiah Wilson. Uh, he obviously had his troubles, and I I don't know the whole story, and I keep reading new things. So I'd like you to kind of tell it as someone who's been a little closer to the the action. Yeah, you know it's um it, it's funny. It, it started bad, and it got it has gotten progressively worse. Um, so he, he comes into camp, uh, and he was immediately put on the COVID list. Um, uh, so that we were just kind of learning about what the COVID list was, that kind of thing. Didn't think anything of it, you know, saying, okay, it could have been, he was just exposed and, and had to quarantine or whatever. Well, he's on the COVID list. And then there is a report that comes out that, he is uh, at Tennessee State University, local local college here in Nashville. And this was during the time when we were in COVID lockdown. This was back, you know, very, very early on. Um, and they had a no visitor policy. So he is at a party at TSU. Uh, <laughs> he gets he gets cited, uh, you know, as somebody who is not a student there. So he is cited for trespassing. Uh, the report, the the police report that came out says that he, when the cops came into the party, he ran to the balcony of the second floor apartment that they were in and looked like he was about to jump off the balcony to try to get off. And you can imagine a 350 pound guy trying to jump yeah. off the second floor balcony. He'd get hurt. <laughs> yeah, he'd absolutely get hurt. NFL player. Thankfully, he didn't do that. Um, but, you know, kind of questionable decision making. Again, one of those things, okay, he's a 20, 20, freshly 21-year-old. I mean, he's a young guy coming out in the draft. Freshly 21-year-old guy, new city, probably, you know, hasn't really met his teammates yet. He's just trying to find people to hang out with, you know, okay, we're, we're okay. You know, we'll figure it out. Then you get into training camp and, you know, training camp wasn't looking so good. He was, you know, struggling, just not, you know, he was whiffing on blocks, not, not great pad level, just looked a little lethargic consistently. Um, And and so there was concerns and it it was thought going into camp that, okay, this is going to be a great battle to watch between him and Dennis Kelly, who was kind of the guy that they, Resign mm-hmm. to replace Conklin to give them somebody so that they weren't relying on a rookie ne- necessarily week one if they didn't need to. 
Yeah, that's is a similarly monolithic player. Kelly, 6'8", 320. I mean, he's yeah. – I, I don't know that he has the ideal body shape of a right tackle, but certainly a very big physical player on yeah. that right side to, to accentuate what the Titans do in the run game. Yeah, and he had been a good player for them, like really solid as a swing tackle for four years. And so they gave him a little, you know, I think like $7 million a year contract that they could get out of after year one. I think the plan was always to draft a tackle to come in and compete with him and eventually overtake him. So he was kind of kind of a bridge. Um, but it becomes very clear early in camp that this is not going to be a competition because Kelly's just way better than him right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and okay, he's a young guy, he's raw, he didn't get rookie minicamp, he didn't get OTAs, he doesn't know what he's doing, we'll give him some time. Then he gets a DUI. Um, so he, the police report is he was doing donuts in the street, uh, in, in the <laughs> middle of downtown Nashville. I mean, this was on Charlotte Avenue. You know, I don't know how many people are familiar with Nashville, but this is like near the hospital district in downtown, not, not a place where you want to be doing donuts period. Um, but, but certainly not when you've been drinking. So he gets the DUI, <laughs> gets arrested and, you know, that that's another thing. And now everybody's going, okay, this guy's making some really bad decisions. Um, he puts a post out on Instagram about, you know, I can't believe I'm making these bad decisions. I just feel like really, and then he deletes it. It, the whole thing is just very strange. So, okay, so his agent asked him to put that, put that post on Instagram there. I'm thinking, was it written as if an agent had done it? it it was not actually. So it was like a late night thing. I think it was maybe he had just gotten bailed out of jail and was having like a panic moment and put out something. It was it was kind of a lot of self-pity in the post. Oh. Um, and it, so I don't think it was an agent agent driven thing, but kind of, a, you know, I can't believe I'm messing up like this. But then all that happens you know, he comes back to the team. He goes on COVID again, a second time. And this time he's on the COVID list for like a month. So I assume, you know, we don't know if he had it or it was exposed or whatever. Maybe they just wanted him to be away from the team for a little bit. I don't know, but he comes back after a month finally. And this guy's now practiced for like three weeks and we're about a month into the season. Uh huh. And he, begins missing random practices and and we're not getting anything it's you know it pops up on the injury report not injury related uh or or you know something something along those lines and so we're going what's going on here so he's missing practices randomly and then reports come out that he's missing this these practices because he's showing up late he's showing up late to practice he's showing up late to meetings he's a coming to practices and telling coaches he has a headache and can't practice today, that kind of stuff. So, hmm. you know, Vrabel starts to make, you know, he's getting asked about him in these weekly press conferences constantly. And Vrabel makes a comment at some point where you could clearly see his frustration. He goes, you know, they're saying, what about Wilson? Is he going to be able because the Titans all the while, the kind of the background of all this mm-hmm. is Taylor Luan has gone down. Uh, then the backup left tackle Tyson Brelo has gone down. Dennis Kelly has played left tackle before for the, for the Titans could switch over and you could put Isaiah Wilson in, but they're going with a practice squad guy and David Questenberry yeah. uh, and not Wilson. So it's like, what's going on with this guy? Why can't he get on the field? Yeah. We, we talked about Questenberry a little bit because he's a fascinating case himself, age 30. And he had something like 35 NFL snaps yep. when 
I guess the injury happened, I think, against the Ravens, and Questenberry came in during that game. And yeah. I'm like, this ought to be a field day for whoever's out there. But yeah. Questenberry did not play terribly down the stretch by any stri- yeah. by any means. He was one of the big stories. But Isaiah Wilson was there on the sideline active for that game and did not go in. And that should have been a big red flag. Absolutely. And that, that's when, you know, they started to ask him. And, and so Vrabel makes a comment at one point that, you know, what's going on with Wilson, what's going on with Wilson. And he goes, well, for starters, it would be nice for him to practice more than one day a week. Um, and so that Vrabel's very tight lipped with the media. He does mm-hmm. not tend to throw players under the bus, anything like that. So that was kind of the first time we heard him really show outward frustration about the situation. Um, and then there was a report that comes out from a, a local outlet here, uh, A to Z sports that had s- anonymous sources from the Titans building saying, look, this kid's lazy. He's useless. Or some of the words that they use, um, they, the reports were that he was, you know, possibly, you know, having a drinking issue away from the field and showing up. That's part of the reason maybe he was showing up late or showing up with a headache, that kind of thing. Maybe that he was showing up hungover to, to practices. That's a lot of, a lot of that was speculation. We don't know for a fact that that's it, that's going on, but we have seen, you know, people started following his Instagram, you know, his social media pretty closely. You're seeing videos of him out partying, doing stuff like that. The team eventually suspends him because of this, these issues with missing practices. So I think that was they did a one week suspension. I think that was more so to be able to avoid his guaranteed money uh, in his contract. So that gives them an out uh, to to come after his money if if he wants to. Uh, when your entire life is online, you need more than just speed from your internet. Xfinity gives you reliable in-home Wi-Fi coverage, plus protection from Wi-Fi network threats. Check out our amazing offers on Xfinity Internet. You'll get fast speed and Wi-Fi coverage you can count on. Plus, get advanced security free with the XFi Gateway, so you can keep the connected devices in your home protected from network threats. Just log in and activate through the Xfinity app. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch, now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture. And when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space. Just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in-store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. Uh, uh, that adds a wrinkle to this discussion. It's, it's guaranteed money may be voided. Yes, yeah, I believe <laughs> I believe it is because it, most NFL contracts have language in them that if you're suspended, uh, you know, for for any reason, you are your guaranteed money is is void. So, um, and, and he was suspended, and then he ended the year on NFI, right? Non football injury list. Yes. So he comes back from the suspension, and then they put him on, uh, you know, NFI list, basically just telling him go away. We we don't want you around the team. You're a distraction. Uh, there was rumblings about players in the locker room not being very happy with him, which obviously, I mean, it, why it would take, they be? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And and you know, they're, they're a team that is very much you know pushing for the division championship, trying to get going into the playoffs, and. They've got this massive injury at tackle, 
that, you know, they're going, hey, it'd be real nice if our first round pick could at least give us some depth because, frankly, Dennis Kelly was playing banged up down the stretch. He had a knee issue that he was dealing with. The Titans had uh, their left guard, Roger Saffold, was dealing with an issue. Ben Jones was dealing with it. This was a banged up offensive line, and they were, you know, a first round pick at tackle would have been real nice to be able to throw in there. Even if you had to bump Kelly into guard or, or do something different, give yourself a better combination of five uh, to get out there. And, and he just wasn't able to help them at all. So um, they put him on NFI to end the year. And basically I, I think John Robinson came out and said this week that he hasn't spoken to him since, since he left uh, on the NFI list. So there is very much a fracture in that relationship and Robinson basically laid it out there and said, hey, look, it's up to Isaiah Wilson whether he wants to be a professional football player or not. And there was a lot of comments in his press conference this past week that I think were directly at Wilson. He talked about, you know, trying to find guys that want to be football players and don't want to just put pro football player in their social media bios and things <laughs> like that. So a lot of stuff directed right at Wilson. Well, there's there's three players in Ravens history this reminds me of. The first is Rolando McClain, who was a linebacker from the Raiders, had a lot of problems, but a still came to the Ravens a very young man, never played a down for them, but but had gone through a similar demotion on the playing field that he did not handle well. The other two are also left tackles and two of the worst examples of behavior you ever say. And I can only say these guys look like saints relative to Isaiah Wilson. The first is, is Jared Gaither, longstanding problem at Maryland. Uh, Ravens got him in a supplemental draft in the fifth round, which is, you know, you don't draft a good tackle in the fifth round, but he dropped into their kind of price range at that level. And when they when they got him, he had two years where he played extremely well in 2008 and 2009. One of the best tackles in the league. I grade offensive line play. I loved him. He, he shut down Mario Williams when he was at his peak. Uh, so he did some things. And then he self-destructed. He got the, the Ravens told him they wanted to move him to right tackle. And there was a lot going on behind the scenes. He was smoking pot. Um, and this was before it became completely socially acceptable in the United States. So that's that's a, that might be a problem. But he was also missing meetings. And I, 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 I'll, I'll tell the story because we went to a, a corporate event at the castle and they had uh, Joe Flacco there it, after the 2008 season to talk to us. Uh, as a special guest, they'll often do that with a rookie player that bring him in and, and it's the sweet holders who, who got to go. And so I, I went as a representative of my corporation. So anyway, that the, the, the uh, uh, Flacco, uh, you know, was standing there by the, by the tray of food and no one was talking to him. So I went over to him and I said, well, you know, it's, it's been really cool how the offensive line has come together. And he said, yeah, you know, Marshall Yanda looks like he might be good. And, and he was just a, a, a young player and, you know, talked about all five of them. The last one he got to was Gaither. He said, and, you know, I'm hoping next year, uh, Jared is a little more, into it and he literally his voice changed like that he went down to it and i'm like wow you know obviously i didn't i was not aware of any of these problems but you know then he got moved to right tackle and, and michael Orr got moved to left tackle and he pretended to have an injury and sat out the season in 2010 ravens wow. got rid of him um, he ended up uh, burning the chargers after the first year of a 24 million dollar deal and, and deciding he didn't want to he didn't want to play at all so uh that was self-destructive the other one's bryant mckinney and, and Bryant McKinney uh, came with a lot of work ethic, ethic issues from the Vikings, lots of raw size and talent, but but just constantly a problem. Always want to be in the music business. And that was like his sidelight that he was going on with. This. So anyway, two players they really remind me of. And I think Ravens fans can identify when they think about Isaiah Wilson. And I would say both of them, because of what they did on the field, at least were, were, were much more valuable than Wilson has been to date.
Yeah, I mean, Wilson played four snaps for the Titans actually <laughs> on the field this year. Um, despite all the tackle issues, three of them, the offensive snaps were all on kneel downs at the end of a game. Oh, uh, and and then the one, he did have one special team snap. And, uh, and you'll have to find video of this and put it out there. Uh, he is in as a blocker on a field goal, or I think it might have been an extra point, and he just gets bowled over. I mean, the one play that he's actually out there, he just gets put on his butt. Uh, so, yeah, not not good. Um, but, you know, it's one of those deals, you know, even after all the issues and all the stuff during the season, week 17, the Titans are about to go play the Texans. The night before, I think it was like uh, um, right around New Year's, he posts a video of him. He's out on a boat partying for New Year's and stuff like that. So he's like, no, like not not even trying to be a part of the team, not a part of the the organization at all. And then, you know, he's posting videos from strip clubs with like stacks of dollar bills and stuff like that. Jesus. Like in, in his hands. It's just stuff like it's not it's clear that he has not learned from all of the trials and tribulations that he's been through this year it's he's still going down this road and it's just like okay the wake up call should have been the TSU thing right back at the very beginning or it should have been the DUI certainly in if that's not enough and you know i just don't know what is at this point mhm so we, we had another issue with a player i thought it was in Seattle who got cut from the team for bringing a girl into his room Yes, and yeah, you know, there, there's enough of this crap going on around the league in a COVID year that these these guys ought to know. Okay, so here's where the here's where I am in terms of looking at this. So the Ravens, you have a great need at right tackle. No, they have no depth, and they and they might trade Brown. So it's a it's kind of a double whammy. So the first thing I look at is he's only got four point six million dollars and three years left on his contract. Now that. It that didn't seem like a lot of money before you started this discussion, <laughs> and now it does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because uh, there's a lot of upside there. You would think from a player who has three years left and is age 22, and you, you're getting age 22 to 24. That's pretty damn good in theory. But t- tell me, um, you you mentioned one thing was that they may be able to go after that money if they release it. Yes. So if, if they were to release him, I think they would come after his guaranteed money as far as his guaranteed salaries. Now, obviously the signing bonus is another question that's tougher to get back based Uh on kind of history. I think the Titans probably have some, um, I guess ammunition to come after the signing bonus, but that would obviously be a protracted battle between the Titans and the NFLPA and whether or not you want to, as an organization, put it out there that you will come after guys signing bonuses and things like that. Now, his behavior absolutely, I think, warrants them coming after him. I don't think any of the players on the team would have that issue, but there is some sort of public perception that comes with a team coming after a guy's money, uh, regardless of what he did. You know, it just kind of puts some fear into players uh, signing with the team and things like that in the future. It's, it certainly is unseemly, and, and I, I understand why you do that. The same things exist in professional organizations anywhere. You don't, you don't want to basically throw an old person to the street, even if they're being very unproductive and even a bad employee, uh, without giving them a, a, you know, a, a, some sort of a parachute to get out. I, the the $4.6 million seems like a no-brainer. You basically say, look, we're only going to come out after this. We want you guys to sign something saying, 
um, that's it, or we're going to come after your bonus. I, I would I wouldn't have any problem doing that to him. But that that makes an interesting case because the Titans obviously have some leverage in this situation. If if you're the Titans and and you know you're done with this guy, it, it, from everything you said, it appears there's not going to be more history between these two. What would you what would you come to the Ravens asking for if the Ravens said, you know, we like this the potential is tackle of yours. What can you do for us? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I kind of get the sense that John Robinson would be happy to get anything for him at this point. I mean, given all that he's put them through, um, you know, any team doing their their due diligence on him will find out pretty quickly. Um, you know, he's been a massive headache. And, and maybe, you know, again, young guy coming in in a weird situation with the COVID thing and everything – you know, maybe it's a situation where he just needs a fresh start. And and frankly, there's stories out there. You know, he went on a, a player's podcast. So Taylor Lewan, the Titans left tackle and and uh, they're one of their linebackers, Will Compton, do a podcast called Bustin' with the Boys. It's on the Barstool Network. It's very popular, um, but it's really good. They often get Titans players on and have really frank conversations with them. So they had Isaiah Wilson on. Um, and one of the things that I picked up on that that was kind of notable and this was before in any of this stuff went down um wilson made was talking about his recruitment to georgia and everything like that he was a big five-star recruit obviously with the size and everything mm-hmm. um and he talked about you know michigan alabama and georgia i think were, were two three of the teams that were kind of really coming after him and he cited as one of the reasons that he didn't go to alabama was because Nick Saban wouldn't give him a hug when he went to go give him a recruitment visit. So kind of a different guy, like, you know, he's kind of a, a big soft personality, I think off of, off of the field, obviously he played at Georgia with, with kind of a mean streak and a a mauler mentality, which he liked to see, Um, but kind of a gentle guy off the field. And I think it's, but I think the Saban kind of note to me indicates he wants teams to kind of worship him a little bit, right? That's what huh. he's used to. Um, he's used to teams that want to, to be very positive with him. And I, you know, if you know anything about Mike Vrabel, Vrabel is a player's coach. I think he's, he's obviously, he was a very successful player in the league, played for a long time. He's not much older than some of these guys. Um, so he relates to them on a very personal level, but he is, personality wise, not a guy that's going to butter you up. Like he is not a lavish compliments on, on you kind of guy. He's, he shows affection by joking with players and kind of like ribbing guys. And I don't think that personality meshes well with Wilson at all. So maybe if you were in a spot where like, you know, a guy could be a little bit more of a coddler, you know, maybe you'd get something more out of him. That's that's really interesting because it sounds like maybe he would not be the kind of guy who would do well in the military. I think that goes without saying with you know, yeah. some of these things, but but also that Vrabel is more military like in terms of how he deals with his player. I mean, he wants to build men, he wants to build teams. You know, I I, I, I can understand that entirely, and uh, it's it's it seemed a little weird, but also seems like it made him more of a person. And so I I would really have to understand that context better because what I heard about the interviews at the combine was he did very well. Yes, yeah, and that was one of the things that I I felt like 
when I went back and watched him, I was like, man, this guy is thoughtful. You know, at the combine, he his combine interview was one of the ones that I thought was really interesting because he talks about, you know, I I love watching guys like Orlando Brown was one that he he mentioned. Trent Brown was another one, but he he talked about all these tackles that he really lo- looks up to and loves watching and trying to take stuff from. And and it was a guy to me that I felt was very introspective and mm-hmm. and understood what he was as a player and what he could be as a player. And so like that that was what initially I you know. I was like, all right, I'm very excited to see what this guy can do. He's very well-spoken. He's a smart kid. Um, So there's a lot to him that you like. And I can see where the Titans might have gotten kind of duped by this guy, more or less. I mean, saying, all right, look, he's smart. He's enormous. You know, if we can get him to to work hard coming in here, we can really turn him into something. And and it's just – it's sad that it's turned into what it has, frankly. But – I think it's probably best for all involved that he goes and tries something somewhere else. And, and maybe, you know, I, I hope he turns his life around and his career around. Um, but I just, it's hard to see that happening here. Cause I think the locker room, frankly, is done with him. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think it's going to be very hard. Even if the Titans wanted to try again, this off season, I think it's going to be hard to sell that to the veterans in that locker room that saw him waste a season of their careers, basically, you know, that's the way they're going to look at it is, Hey, we could have done sure. something last year. And, you know, maybe if you're playing at right tackle and we've got Dennis Kelly at left tackle, we do a little bit more on offense against the Ravens in that playoff game. Um, you know, I, I think it's gonna be hard to sell it to them that, Hey, yeah, I wasted, I wasted your time last year, but now I'm really ready to do something. You know, <laughs> I, I think it's going to be a tough, tough sell in the locker room. Yeah, I, I I can understand that, and they wouldn't be very forgiving about that. It makes it makes entirely sense. So, I, what I was thinking is this this situation screams for a conditional pick because there's never been a more conditional player right. <laughs> than, this, than this guy. So, if he ends up being what something close to what he was touted as, I wouldn't have any problem with the Ravens even giving away a fourth round pick. Say, you know, you don't trade those like candy. I'm very protective of such things. But if it's like he plays three seasons and he plays 36 games and he plays X number of snaps, I wouldn't have any problem with that because the Ravens also have the ability to shut off the faucet on it. Um, the, the, one of the things I would I, I would question is to whether or not the Wilson would be amenable to the kind of constraints the Ravens would want to put on him. Now they they haven't to the to the best of my knowledge they've never assigned personal handlers to players. But if there's ever a 22 year old who needed it, this guy right here, absolutely. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, it would be interesting because from what I understand, the Titans have done a lot to try to correct this and to try to get him back on the right path. I know uh, players in the locker room, LaJuan, Ben Jones, who went to Georgia as well. And and I know Ben Jones is a guy that talked to him even pre-draft to try to get a feel for him because he was, you know, they were in the process of kind of vetting him out. Uh, Those guys are all veteran players. I mean, well-respected in the Titans locker room. This is a, a offensive line. That's very proud group for the Titans. Those guys all tried to put their arms around him. I know Roger Saffold, again, another one, a uh, guy that's been in the league for a long time, seen a lot of things. He tried to put his arm around this kid and, and kind of help him. And I, I get the sense that he was resistant to it. I know Taylor Lewan made uh, comments about, you know, not letting us help him. Um, 
you know, in, in certain things, which I mean, all of it was n- not direct uh, commentary, but you could kind of pick up on these little things that were would be said along the way. And I get the sense that the Titans tried a lot of that and he was resistant to it. Now, maybe that's because he expected to walk in and the right tackle job be given to him because he was a first round pick and not have to compete with Kelly or, or whatever the, whatever the situation that originally maybe pushed him away from the team. I don't know, but um, maybe with a new organization, he'd be more willing to come in and toe the line um, just because there isn't that baggage there. Uh, and, and it's crazy that there's that much baggage less than a year in, but uh, here we are. Do you get the sense at all that he is basically of the opinion that he's got his money in his contract and screw you if you want to change me as a person? I think that I think there is a little bit of that there. I think it's um, I think he in in people have reached out to like his high school coach, his uh college position coach, Sam Pittman, who's now the head coach at Arkansas um, and gotten commentary on, on them about, are they surprised by what they're seeing from Isaiah Wilson and all of them kind of, and you wouldn't expect otherwise necessarily, but all of them express shock about, you know, Hey, this is not the Isaiah that we knew. This is not the Isaiah that, you know, we worked with for years and years and, you know, we're obviously concerned about him as a person and hope that he reaches out if he needs help. Um, So I I think this is a situation where it seems like there were red flags, at least I I know Mike Dettelier had uh, some character maturity questions with Wilson in his draft report. It wasn't a common thing that was out there pre-draft. Like, you know, most, most uh, anal- analysts uh, did not have anything as far as Wilson off the field concerned. So mm-hmm. it was something that was out there. And Albert Breer actually just this week reported that there was, it was widely known in the scouting community that there were some laziness questions. There were some just things with him that, that were, question marks, red flags, stuff that teams would want to talk to them about um, in the the pre-draft process. But it does seem like those issues were exacerbated when he came into the league, got money, and found himself in a new city for the first time. Right. Uh, Unfortunately, he's going to be one of many NFL, former NFL players who are going to find out just how how little – $7 $7 million will take you because he's he signed an $11.5 million contract in total. 4.5, 4.6 of that's still on the table. So he got seven. After taxes, you know, we, we know what that would become. It'd probably become three, 3.4, 3.3, something like that. Tennessee's good because you don't have state income tax, right? Right, right. Yep. So, so he's got some of those advantages. But still, that will not last forever at his favorite strip club. <laughs> that will not that will not allow him to be buying drinks for the rest of his life. Of you know, it's not you know what I would consider to be the number that a twenty two year old can retire on, and he really needs to make something out of this opportunity. And I uh, hopefully his agent, his family, his friends, somebody can can tell him this. I, I have a feeling you know he's got other very very bad influences in his life other than himself. And you know, the Ravens going through what they did with Ray Lewis in Atlanta in 1999 know very well that bad hangers on from earlier in life could do a lot of damage to to a you know an otherwise decent person. And uh, you know, we 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 don't want that to happen, obviously, again. And and with Isaiah Wilson, uh, you know, hopefully we'll get it together. The other thing that came to mind, and this really was a function of him being on the balcony. Are there any mental issues that might be depression related or otherwise, or that could be? And I don't want to, I don't want to 
you know, speculate for an armchair, but obviously if you're, if you're trying to analyze whether you acquire this player or not, is any of this fixable with the right medication? So I do, I do personally think just based on his behavior, you know, I'm not like a a clinical psychologist or anything like that by any means, but based on his behavior, based on stuff that he's liked on social media, like, I mean, you, you see him, he likes stuff about, you know, mental health issues with athletes frequently. I know Draymond Green had uh, kind of a rant recently about um, players being expected to just be perfectly happy and quiet when teams are putting it out there that they're going to trade them and things like that and that there's some responsibility for the team. That was something that he, like, was liking on social media and and going out and, and, you know, retweeting that kind of thing. So I think there are – just based on outside looking in, I, I do think there's some depression issues. I do think it's possible because everything that, that was out there about this guy and, and you can see in other interviews, gregarious personality, likes to be around people, that kind of thing. I think maybe COVID and, and the quarantine and everything else and not being able to be around his teammates until, you know, August, uh, basically last year was hard on him, um, you know, being in a new city just not knowing what to do with himself. So I think it may have been a situation where he was seeking, you know, people to be around people to, to interact with. And he fell in with a a crowd that, you know, he's a 21 year old kid coming into a new city. He's going to hang out with other 21 year old kids. And I think 21 year old kids by and large, especially that, that are not professional football players don't necessarily have the same priorities that a guy with his job and his responsibilities has. And I think this is a situation where part of me thinks, all right, if this had not been for COVID, if he had come in and immediately gone to rookie minicamp and gotten to bond with his, you know, other draft mates and, and other rookies on the team and other young veterans, Maybe this goes differently. Maybe, it, you know, him and Christian Fulton are the guys that are hanging out together instead of him and whoever he's hanging out with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's maybe it's his priorities end up in a better spot um, if he's around guys that have a similar lifestyle to him and similar goals and and things like that. So I, I, I do think there's elements to that. Uh, and I think there's elements to depression and, and things like that, um, potentially at play here. So yeah, it, I don't think, um, I don't think he's a malicious person for by any means, but mm-hmm. he certainly wasted a lot of the Titans time. Um, and I do think he's a little bit immature. Um, and I think it's hard, it's going to be hard for them to come back together as, as two parties at this point. So I, I think something that ends up with him somewhere else is probably what's best for everybody. Right. Well, it makes all kinds of sense. Last question, and then I'll, I'll let you go here. But this is fantastic information. I just love this this discussion. It, it, do you think it's the structure itself that Wilson cannot live with? Meaning, being a pro football player has too many specific, I got to be here, I got to be at this meeting, I got to do all this lifting, and then I got to be on the field for three hours. Then I, Is that too much for him? Or is it something that you think he can figure out how to adapt with? Because sometimes, I mean, people have problems with authority or people have problems with, with timeliness or people have problems with you know, punctuality. They, they, they have problems with whatever and they just they can't live with this structure. And those kind of people, they can't be in the military, for example. Um, you know, does, does this – is it just too overwhelming for him that he'll never get over it? Or is it something that you think, you don't know, maybe, maybe there is a chance? 
I, th- I think there is a chance because I think he excelled at Georgia and, and part of his story at Georgia, he comes in and he was overweight when he showed up as a freshman and, and he was having trouble getting through the initial kind of summer conditioning exercises and things like that, you know, just not able to finish uh, practices and things like that because he was overweight. So they redshirted him uh, and told him he needed to lose weight. So he dropped, uh, I think it was close to 50 pounds. I think he, they said he was, you know, somewhere around 370 when he first showed up there, he played closer to 330 most of his career there. So he, he lost the weight. Um, He performed at a very high level for them. He was never, uh, you know, disciplined by the team or anything like that, uh, at least not publicly. So I think maybe it, it may be an issue where the structure of college, where you've got people that are around you doing the same things and, and you're, you're really the, the coaches, I think take more of a personal interest in, all right, you've got to be here at this time. This is how we're going to get you there. And, and kind of helping steer him uh, was beneficial because a lot of the NFL is, Hey, you know, this is the schedule. You do what you do in your own spare time. But when you're here, this is when you, you need to be here. And we're not, we're not checking up on you to make sure you got home or to make sure you're, you're up, you know, an hour before the, the practice or the meeting or whatever that you need to be at. Um, I think maybe that structure is something that he needs in his life um, to stay on the right track and to not veer off with, you know, more free time maybe than what he had in college. Um, Yeah. I I think, I think he, I, I do think he's, salvageable um you know as a as an nfl player but it's going to take the right situation it's probably going to take a a renewed level of interest from him uh in in being a pro football player because it it is hard work i mean john robinson talked about it this week Mm -hmm. said hey being a pro football player isn't for everybody it's a grind you have to love it to want to do this and, and to really excel at it um and i think that was a direct uh, shot at Isaiah Wilson. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Although it wasn't about any particular player. <laughs> right, right, exactly. He didn't say his name, but it was very clear that who he was talking about. Right. All right, Mike, always a pleasure to have you on the show. This is a wonderful background on a very curious case, obviously. Uh, tell people where they can find your work. Yeah, uh, broadwaysportsmedia.com is the website. Um, Lots of lots of Titans, uh, you know, as other as well as other Nashville pro sports uh, information on there. But uh, and then obviously on Twitter at uh, Mike Miracles, you can follow me on there. And uh, you know, we'll be we'll be keeping up with this Isaiah Wilson stuff as uh, as it goes on. But yeah, I'll be interested to see what happens with him over the next few months. Yeah, as you're building up your stable of people you follow on Twitter, make sure you include Mike at Mike B Miracles, um, at Mike Miracles. Sorry, at Mike Miracles. You might be Herndon. Okay, <laughs> that's right. But, um, but he's a wonderful follow and very responsive. So whenever I ask him a question about you know what's going on, does this really make sense? You know, we just talked yesterday about about putting this show together and and really appreciate you you know doing this so quickly because it's a timely topic. We may Wilson may be available in the next few days, or there certainly will be discussions in the next few days. And having a, a good node at each team is really something you want to do as an informed fan to make sure you're getting the best background information. Mike tells it straight. You just heard him lay it out here on Isaiah Wilson here pretty well. Really appreciate having you as a guest, Mike. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to do it. Always enjoy uh, chatting with you. All right. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study. 
Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.